Tell me something good. Yeah. What up, y'all? Person of interest. We're back. Can you believe we are at the end of June? Freaking what? Oh, my God. Uh, coming off of Mental Health Month and everything else that is followed, let's have some fun. It's hot fun in the summertime. Summer is here. It is hot. Let's do this. This next blondie is Kelly Collette. She's a professional comedian. People have always mistaken us for each other, at least they have recently, and we actually just met when we recorded this podcast in my house. She was the very first one that I did in my home, so the levels on the mics, you're going to have to bear with me because we did the best we could. And also, don't cancel us. We have a darkly, supremely dark sense of humor here that does shine through in a lot of this podcast, and I hope you enjoy. And please just know that we are... um, Two women just having fun and that comedy can still be funny and things that are offensive are still can still be comedy. I mean, that's just w- what it is. We're, we're sticking strong in our guns here, but we have a blast. Um, Kelly Collette is a professional comedian. You can find her at, at, um, at Kelly Collette on Instagram and her art. She's an amazing painter as well. That's at Kelly.Canvas. And her website to book her or find out where she's going next, that's KellyCollettComedy.com. Enjoy this brave, very, very hilarious Blondie Kelly Collette. Let's go. So then, now let's go again. Hello, hello. Hi. Oh, my God. We did it. Now we are perfect. Synergy. Okay. Um, so tell me a little bit more about, um, I'm like, I love when you say studio. It's really just this. I like it. It's more buttons than I would I would know what to do with. I feel like you're like on an Apollo mission. That's what it looks like. <laughs> One wrong move. Trying to figure it out. Trying to. Well, so tell me about what was your podcast called and everything. It was called Living My Fest Life. Oh, I love it, that. And it was about festivals, fairs, events, and experiences. Everything from the nationally known to the local and obscure. That was my tag. And uh, I just wanted to like cover like everything from like. You know, the Missouri Blueberry Pie Festival to, like, Holly and, um, you know, the running of the bulls. Like, I just wanted to know, like, what starts these traditions and why they do it and, like, what what your local hometown festival was, like, what, what people grew up going to. Because ah, I, okay. I love stuff like that. All right, we're getting comfortable here. So did you, like, ever go to the Renaissance Festival or anything? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've I been love to the, the Renaissance I love festival. a Ren Fair. Yeah. I love looking at the people. And then looking at the other people, <laughs> you know what I mean? There's two types. There's the watchers and some of them watching us. Yeah. I like the um, the big turkey legs you get. Yeah. God, I'm such a glutton. Like, no, no. The food is half of the best part. Like, I saw someone eating, like, cheese out of a bread bowl. And I was like, well, clearly I need one of those. And it was, like, cold. And it wasn't what you thought it was going to be. It just looks very good. You get two bites in and you're like, I'm done with this one. The first time I ever went to the Renaissance Festival, I was a little kid. And, um... I remember I had this, like, outfit that I really loved. It was, like, this cute plaid skirt. Even though I went to Catholic school. Mm-hmm. It was pretty much, like, a Catholic school uniform, but, like, outside of school. Yeah. why I loved it. And um, and I wore it so I wasn't wearing pants or anything. <laughs> I had bare legs. I went to, like, a friend of my mom's got married there, which is, like, bizarre. That's, like, the only person I've ever known to get married there in my, That's like, That's, like, a circle. whole thing, though. I know. It's, they like, were, an underground culture. They were into it. And, um, and, uh. And all of a sudden, it dropped like 30 degrees, and it was freezing. <laughs> and then the whole time, I was just miserable mm-hmm. and really, really cold. And then um, you get the full William Wallace experience. Yes. though. you had you got actually got to know what it was like to not have 
pantaloons in those times to totally protect you. And then my mom like, because I'm not like we like left because I was cold. She was just like, "You'll be fine." I don't know. Just start running some laps. Make it work. <laughs> Do a lap. Yeah. I remember the first time I saw somebody in my school came to school with uh, like elf ears on. Uh huh. And they're like, "Oh, I went to the Renaissance Fair this weekend," and I was like, "Yeah, but that was this weekend. Like, leave that in the past." Yeah, yeah. So um, did you go to, okay, so I used to go to like festivals a lot back Mm -hmm. in the day. Music festivals, I feel like they were my life for a long time. Like when everyone was graduating college and like starting off in real jobs, I was like. You're like, I'm going on tour. Yes. (laughs) They're like, with who? You're like, whoever. I know. But it was never about like actual partying, even though a lot of that stuff happens when you go to those things. But it was Mm -hmm. just about like absolutely being the biggest music nerd ever and yeah. being so excited to see these bands and like actually getting really into it and whatnot. See, I, I feel great. like people who are into those things always know of a band that I've never heard of and I'm so embarrassed about how not cool I am to not know <laughs> who the, the ringling drummers are or whatever. And I feel like back in the day I was really into that mm-hmm. and then um, and now I'm not. Like I don't, now I could care less. But. I didn't even know who Doja Cat was until... <gasps> Yo, I didn't really either. Yeah, like people are like, I, I know, you know... <laughs> I just feel like everybody's punking me when they give me some of these names. <laughs> right. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know anybody. I know. I don't want to talk about how I really feel about a lot of modern pop culture because that will just age me too much. Oh. And then oh. I might get fired. So. No. <laughs> oh my gosh. You're uh, like, I have to be up on the times. So. Um, but Kelly Collette, so where are you from? I am from here, born and raised, never lived anywhere else. So that fe- I, I've been places, which makes me feel better. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like I've traveled a lot. Uh, cost of living here is very cheap, uh, but I always feel uh, silly when I say born and raised here because it just feels like you're supposed to get out of your hometown. Mm, I'm born and raised here. Okay. I mean, I left a bunch, but like, whatever. Yeah, you come back. Yeah. There's one thing I realized through traveling a lot is that life is the same everywhere you go. Your problems follow you guys. Everywhere you, you go. You can't run from them. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, people are the same, but it was like fun back in the day. I don't yeah. Know. Um, and so, what part of town are you from? So, I'm from. <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing so hard. It's always fun to talk about this. I'm from a very small town called Green Hills. I don't know. If- yeah, dude. I'm from White Oak, so okay. I'm very familiar with Green Hills. Okay, yeah. Not far. Hop, One- skip, and a jump from the kind of west side. Yeah, so we were the we were the original uh, Green Hills pioneers. It was a green belt, belt town built during the Depression that was supposed to be a urban uh, utopia. They were supposed to mix mm-hmm. a bunch of people from different ethnic backgrounds and income levels together in this small town. It was like a social experiment. Uh, how do you know all this? Because uh, I grew up there. So they had like a little community center and they're like, you guys don't even know how special this town is. I was like, why? Because we got benches. Like, why? Why are we so special? We got benches. Yeah. And then uh, so uh, I like grew up in this town and I grew up hearing about this like tall tale about how it was supposed to be this like dun 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 You know, yeah. like we have a barbershop and a library. You know and- all the tunes to that very well. Yeah. Right. I'm just, you know, Mr. Sandman. I'm just my, <laughs> my one-man acapella group over here. Um, but I actually, uh, I applied for like the NBC Writers Program mm-hmm. last year uh, during the, during the uh, quarantine or whatever. And I was like, oh, what? you have to have two original pilots. And I was like, I'm going to write one about Green Hills. So I did all this like research about it too. Awesome. So that's another reason. Cause I was like, how did the pilot thing go? Oh, I mean, I didn't get it. <laughs> yeah. But how's that experience making it and everything? It was uh humbling because 
uh, I don't know, like thousands of people apply and there's all these message boards and Facebook groups and there's people who are trying to sell you like classes on how to write your pilot or how to submit Mm -hmm. it and all these things. And I just, I'm more of like a, I'll figure it, I'll try and figure it out on myself kind of person. Yeah. So wrote this whole thing. It was supposed to be like this comedy about a small town. And then in the middle of it, I'm more, I was like, what if I just, mm, what if I just, Mm, more mm, they're gonna go back in time and then i was like oh no i wrote a sci-fi this is not what nbc <laughs> wants so now i'm like watching the sci-fi channel constantly i'm like maybe this might fit in yeah i don't know i just uh i, I it just took a weird corner turn and i was like well Ugh. that's where like creativity yeah goes. points for creativity there so being a female comedian you've been a professional female comedian for a long time like 10 years uh 11 yeah going on 11 or 12 so amongst that you're also an artist and you do eyebrows and cosmetics stuff. you do a whole bunch of stuff yeah that was just recent that was like a quarantine like uh oh there oh uh, i can't i don't have work to do yeah. so my friend's like hey will you learn how to tattoo eyebrows with me and i was like hell yeah let's do that hell yeah, yeah. how's and that going good i do it like two or three days a week and it's really fun because people come in and then they leave all happy and i'm like i did that uh-huh. I'm happy yeah i'll have to start i'll have to go to you i my eyebrow game is weak it's always confusing and i can't like most things in life I fuck it up halfway through and Eyebrows then I'm like, oh, I don't know. They're very hard. Most people, like, we all, all have a little asymmetry in our face, too. And yeah. then I have to, like, point it out to people. I'd be like, no one's perfect. Listen, they're not, twi- sin, you know, sisters, not twins. But, uh, yeah, eyebrows are hard. One always kind of, it's the Mary-Kate and Ashley. Yeah. Oh, you got to let Mary-Kate do her thing, right? <laughs> you got to let her just kill herself. Be it's going to happen. <laughs> be her own person, yeah. So, um. But so when you like turned it into a sci-fi or whatnot, do you feel like that kind of happens in your comedy that it kind of like will take a left turn? Yes, I do that a lot. So I have a very like, I like weird alternative stuff. Like when I listen to comedians, like I like Maria Bamford and Paul F. Tompkins and these comedians that are a little bit more alternative Mm -hmm. as opposed, like I also like the John Mulaney's and the, you know, Eliza Schlesinger's and the, you know, the people who are more like what they call mainstream comedy. Um, so it's what I like, and then I try and merge the two. So I'll do a bunch of, like, jokes that are, you know, very uh, either self-deprecating or I'll do something like just, you know, typical setup punchline, setup punchline. Yeah. And then I'll just throw, like, a super weird tag in, like, hey, you guys ever eat your twin in the wind? <laughs> like, just, like, I'll try and, like, work some weird shit in there. And by the end, I'm like, uh I just want to see if they are digging that because if they start responding to the weird stuff, uh-huh. I have a whole like second tier of jokes that I'll be like, okay, let's go into the weird stuff then. But if yeah. they're like not digging the like breadcrumbs I'm throwing out, I'll just stick to like the normal. If stuff. you could, if you could choose to the more crowd pleasing, if you could choose like either way, do you prefer to go down the weird rabbit hole? Oh my hall? god, absolutely. When I make yes. when I make a uh, obscure pop culture reference and everybody Mm -hmm. in the audience gets it i'm like here are my people you guys you guys want to talk about elijah wood when i was eight years old let's do you know what i mean like do you guys want to talk about this weird commercial that we saw or like uh, i i don't know i just love an obscure pop reference so when i I throw it out there and people respond i'm like oh my god oh my god i'm home it's so awesome so we um i guess the first time i really met you or knew who you were was because um, a, what are they called? A um, hacker? Hacker. Made 
Okay, this is what I was like. Do you think Facebook just made it or like did a human actually make this? They used my pictures in your face, in your no, name? my name. Yeah, it was Kelly Collette and then it was pictures of Natalie. And I was like. What? Uh, yeah. yeah. And everybody's like, everybody was sending it to me. Were they sending it to you? Yes. And they're like, this person either requested me or I saw them as a friend. And I was like, oh, she's cute. I, yeah. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. It was totally bizarre because then this one I thought it was creepy because all of these people were messaging me and I was like, number one, this chick's dope. And also, you guys know her too. We had like so many mutual friends. So many friends. friends. And so I was like, how did friends. I not know you already? Right? Yeah. And then you do stand up. And I used to do stand up a little bit. Like when I was in LA, I was doing stand up. Oh my gosh. I didn't know, I know that. I was never, I mean, I guess I was paid for it once. There you so go. So that you're, does you're mean I'm professional. But I, I was, it was never my, I don't know, I did it a lot, and I hate to even say that I was a comedian because that's not, I did not go through the hustle and bustle that everybody else goes through all the time. You, you didn't know? get sexually harassed, you didn't get... Oh, yeah, nah, but like most of the, okay, most of the comedian men, I was just like, I can't take a fucking word you're saying seriously, like, please, I got you, go drink another, I don't know, anyway, um, but... Uh, yeah, so so then when I was like, oh my gosh, she's a comedian, and she has like blonde hair and blue eyes, we look similar. And we I was do like, look similar. And I was I like, like, somebody did research, I feel like. Right. That's I was like, this is like too close. This is weird. And I, I think the photo was of you in a Reds jersey. I used to work for the Reds on the <gasps> rally pack. So I was like, who is this person? What is their, like, I, I don't, bo- like, every time I get a bot following me, I'm like, it's a stalker. It's someone weird. Mm-hmm. Like, and people are like, it's just a bot. They follow a lot of people. And I was like, no, this is so specific. Okay. Can I ask you about bots in general? Yeah. Okay. Because I'm always like, my Instagram game is like so bad and I've never like, like it's like not growing or mm-hmm. whatnot, you know? And I get, I lose followers all the time. I do too. And I'm just curious about it. Like, it's not my main goal. Like, mm-hmm. it's just, I think Instagram is really fun to like, I use stories as like a perform, like I just make funny shit. Like and I, you throw stuff out there and you're things. like, yes. people responded to that. I might want to write that down. Yeah. <laughs> I just kind of like, yeah. I don't really think about it. Um, but I am curious, like through work and everything, we got to grow following, you know, there's yeah. like that kind of underlying pressure. No one will say it to your face, but it's like, uh, yeah, it's like important. Yeah. Anyway. And so I'll ask this opinion. I ask people's opinions about it who yeah. are like in media or whatnot. And everyone is always like, those are just bots that you're losing. Don't worry about it. I'm like, yeah, but also then who are the people actually following you? Like, what's the difference? You guys, you can't just like remove responsibility from one side of the coin. Like, you know what I mean? I have no idea what the analytic, like that situation Same. is. All I know is I posted that I got vaccinated. I lost like 10 followers and I was like, this has to be like, that has yeah. to be like, People who are anti-vax, like I, I always, yeah. I overthink everything, and yeah. I'm always like, nothing's chance. It's all something I did. So yeah, I don't uh, know about the bot thing. There is the, like the analytics button that tells you like what demographic yeah. is following you, and I've always had like a 60/40 women to men, which mm. I'm always like, okay, so like I know, and that's the same with like my when I do stand up. Like I always have the women coming to me like. Oh, I really liked that, and I was like, yeah, it's for you, girl. Yeah, um, but like the rest of the pie chart. I don't, they're, they're like age range and location and you got this many followers this day and you lost this many this day. And I'm like, eh. Right? I, yeah. It's- I feel like in 2020, I lost so many. Every time I would post anything that was uh, pertaining to what was going on in the world. Yeah. It was like slicing. <laughs> Excuse me. Anyway. I saw like, like, you know, when you do your, like your year end wrap up, some people do that. It's like your top nine or whatever. I don't think it's, yeah. It's always like selfies for girls. It's always like the most liked photos is like your face. You did it, girl. It's your face. We take a lot of selfies. I like yeah. every photo that I post though is like just of me. So. Well, I took a, I took a, like a class. It was like how to grow like 
through stand like oh there's this girl her name's liz neely she's a really great comedian and she goes viral like on a lot of stuff because she is she is hustling with these like getting out like clips with with the words printed on yeah. them and you you share your stand up that way she blonde blonde chick no she has long dark curly brown hair she's from new york um mm. But she, she did this, like, little thing, and she's like, you, you got to make a clip, and it's got to have a controversial caption. Yeah. And I'm like, mm. That's huge. Yeah, and then she's like, then you got to you gotta do a three-to-one. Like, you give out three jokes, and then you ask them to come to your show. And it was, like, all this, like, scientific method. And I'm just like, but sometimes I'll just, like, get a cute pedicure. And I'm like, people need to see this. And I'm just, like, totally ruining. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. It's just, it's a lot of work to, like, be very calculated. And you, I feel like you can tell when people are super calculated and you're, like, mm-hmm. trying too hard. Unfollow, you know? Well, I feel like it's, like, the difference between, like, a business account. Like, is this your professional account where, like, you are trying to make it in media. You're trying to make it in the public so you need to like, yeah you need to put a lot of thought behind it mm-hmm. and it is part of the job or you're just like this is my life that's why social media managers and marketing and stuff like all of these girls are going to school like every time i see someone's like linkedin profile or like some page on something it's always like i'm a i'm a social media manager I'm like, that wasn't even a thing when we were in college. Social media didn't really exist. No, and definitely you didn't know how to manage it. Like, I went to school for public relations, and, Ah. uh, like, our media was like, send a press release. Make sure it has four ampersands on the back, and uh, you send that out, and then the media's going to pick it up. That's what you do. Like, Yo, can I – okay, so I um, majored in communications, marketing, slash PR was the thing. That was the double – it was the, and First then, of all, that's what all the hot girls did. We're, we were all in the marketing PR. Can't really yeah. say it was a hot girl. It's definitely like a linebacker. It did, well, definitely, it was really like know. two dudes in my class <laughs> yeah. that were just like, I just Same. came here because I heard that Bronson's class had all these sorority girls in it or whatever. Definitely, and um, but I feel like nothing that I even learned is even applicable to life I learned, now. And I learned nothing. I mean, I had a couple teachers that like. I don't know what they were grading on. I still don't know what case. But then in the, yeah. si- in the same regard, though, you can say that that's kind of how, like, you would say social media is now. Like, that's it's like the kind of yeah. the same thing of, like, we learned how to talk, maybe. Like, I, even having a marketing and PR degree, I never learned how to make a press release. Nope. I think I did it once. <laughs> and I don't, I still don't know how to use an Excel spreadsheet. Literally don't know how to do I it. I took Excel in high school, and I've completely <laughs> forgotten it. Like, I, I was trying to get, enter my gas mileage the other day, and I just got so, I felt like, you know, Derek Zoolander slapping my computer. I was like, I don't know what is happening. Oh, when he starts, oh, when he's a monkey. Yeah. Um, so when did you start doing comedy? So I started in 2009. Wow. May of 2009. And what was your big, what was your beginning process like? Um, I just started writing like observational stuff. And I remember like, this, this, this is how old, that's how long ago. I can tell you exactly 2000. I had a lot of jokes about Benihana and a lot of jokes about Paris Hilton. I don't remember <laughs> what they were at the time. I think it was something about Paris Hilton putting her hand on the grill and being like, that's hot or something. <laughs> like just something so stupid. Mm-hmm. But like when you're. Reaching for five minutes. And when you first start comedy, you don't know who you are. Oh, my God. And and, yeah. And also, like, you really don't know what you're doing. No. I feel like everyone looks back to their beginning and they're like, Jesus. Yeah. All I know is I, like, packed the audience <clears throat> and I told my friends they had to promise to laugh. And once you get that first laugh, you kind of, like, relax and sit yeah, in it. Sure. And you're like, okay, that Thank wasn't that. Thank you so much. Thank you. Th- yes. I, I, I didn't bomb. And, of course, that could have been all set up. But I did have yeah. a bunch of the comedians come up to me after and was like, that was your first time? That was great. Why don't you come back next week? Yeah. And then I had one say, yeah, come back next week and bring all your hot friends. Yeah. So I was like, okay, they like me in my comedy. 
or my friends. Either way, I'm in. Like I feel <laughs> good about this. So was I just this kept going. Go bananas. Yeah, me too. Yay! I did the same. I did the same. I had the same exact process in 2010. And uh, well, great. Now I know. Maybe it was just the because I've been telling everyone my whole life. Like after I did cinema the first time, like they asked me to come back. So like I'm really good. At it. <laughs> yeah. No, no, that's it's, it's actually encouraging because sometimes it really they, was because they, they didn't say to everyone that night. They though. did not. They yeah. don't say that to everybody. Sometimes they're like, okay. um... Mm-hmm. See you gonna smell you later. Yeah. You know. So that that was back when Alex Stone was there. Yeah. Yeah. Dude. I actually went to elementary school with him, no which way. was really funny because in our little yearbook photo, we're sta- we're in our kindergarten yearbook photo, we're right next to each other, and I had like seen him doing comedy, and I was like, uh, hi, um, you might not remember me, but then I sent him the picture. He's like, oh my god, yeah. you were like next to me in kindergarten. He's so great. Yeah. I like yeah. So that that's a when where was this? When was this or where? Where? where oh, uh, in Greenhouse. Beachwoods Elementary School. Beachwoods. Yes, baby. <laughs> nice. Wait, was Jennifer Kuhn in your class as well? Uh, I don't think so. It does sound familiar. <laughs> She's my best friend, and I thought. Um, did she go there? I think did so. Did she go to Winwoods? I went to Winwoods first. She, I think she did. Yeah. And she's she worth at the same age, right? Yeah. So I think I think so. Anyway. Yeah. Um, well, that's great. Yeah, that was a really great, great time in life. So what happened from there? So, um... I they used to have this thing called rooftop comedy rooftop Mm -hmm. comedy used to record a bunch of videos at comedy clubs and then they would put them up on their site so -hmm. it was great we had this like permanent (laughs) webcam in the back of the club that would put all your stuff online and sometimes they would partner with tv stations or like some stuff and they'd be like hey tell us what comedians or like they'll be like promoting a festival and they'd be like hey rooftop select some comedians to come to our festival so uh rooftop really liked me thank god and they put me up for like cmt's next big comic and then um san francisco sketch fest i got to go out there after awesome. i submitted a tape also what's yeah. cmt uh, country music television oh well well for real okay oh, CMT. yeah that's cmt, CMT. yeah okay, cool. and, that, and was, i was like three years in, and i remember very much being happy and i remember telling one cincinnati comedian in particular and he was like fuck you and he meant it he was pissed he was just like you don't like in his head i did not deserve it he was not happy for me yeah so you that, wanna blast his name right yeah, now please was, tell me <laughs> but that was the first because before then it was like comedians we love each other we sh- like we, we all share this dream and, th- and that was the first time i was like oh this isn't a team sport like some people see you as competition like they are generally yeah. not happy for you which i think i would have been happy for anybody um but that was my first like oh mm-hmm. this is this is a business where we need to go back to that let's yeah. go back to this but okay. also do you feel that that's i mean i i feel like yeah, a big like that reason right there maybe is what holds me back from a lot of things in life like yeah. I could have maybe been way more successful if I was more of a bitch about all of this I've turned or if I was mm. more conniving a little bit or you know yeah no no I, I guess I, I don't play the game I'm just like the uh, game is terrible it hurts your it hurts your innards and your brains um <laughs> it hurts your heart uh because yeah a lot of things are political who you know uh, what you can do to get ahead and then there's also the fun aspect so it's like mm-hmm. you kind of got to marry the two together or, or else you're just gonna hate it if you're just goofing yeah. off all the time not not getting no, any no, work that, yeah yeah and then you're just gonna feel like a crap comedian but if you're just business all the time uh you're not wreaking all the benefits of like what this lifestyle could be and the, the fun of being that so yeah well so you are three years on cmt and the next big thing oh yeah it was called cmt's next big comic and it was like 
two and a half years in. It was just like an online like showcase that like you get voted through to the next round. But there were like some really good like Shane Moss was on it. I remember being like, I love Shane Moss. Like I'm in the same thing as he is in. And um, I think the winner got like an album. And so I made it to like the the semifinals and then uh, bye bye. Um, But after that, like I did Lucille Ball Comedy Festival. And I got to be on their album recording. Cool. With like, it was like four or five years in. And then they like, you know, Lucille Ball is from Jamestown, New York, which mm-hmm. is like a small town. And every year they have this giant Lucy Fest. And then they have, um, they just built something called like the National Comedy Center, the National mm-hmm. Comedy Museum there. And they, um, yeah, because yeah, of the trucks are backing up. Uh, <laughs> um, so they have like, Comedians come, I mean, they had me back two years after that to MC like, this world record thing that they were putting on. And the um, the headliner was Bob Newhart, so I got to go meet Bob Newhart. And who's Bob Newhart again? Bob Newhart mm. is, uh, he was, like, the Jerry Seinfeld of the 60s, 70s. He mm. was, like... Every- the name is familiar. Yeah, he was, like, a clean comic. Everybody was stealing his act. Uh, he had his own TV shows. Uh, you might have seen him on Nick at Night. Um, but he's just a very uh, funny comic that's been around forever yeah. so meeting him was like it, it was like meeting the joan rivers or like you know like uh yeah. like a don rickles or yeah oh, that's so cool yeah it was very fun so like through these little things like i kind of tried to i was i still felt like an imposter every step of the way because i think that guy planted in my hand my head like you don't deserve this yeah. you're too like and then when someone tells you you don't deserve that you really do like kind of internalize it and you're like oh maybe i don't and, you know, I, I would ha- deal with, like, some local people being like, well, you're just getting it because you're a girl. Like, people would say that. And I'm like, I feel like girls don't get stuff. Right? Yeah. That's like they don't know. But I feel like there's a dance, a fine line between yeah. that as well to be like, you know what? If it, even if I did, if I'm going to use this opportunity that I have to yeah. leverage even more, like I'm sorry, or like I was right. born, I I can't control that. Right. I wouldn't have known if I got time. it. I wouldn't have known if I got it just because I'm a girl because I've never been a guy. So I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> if uh, you know, but yeah. So there's been a lot of that like eh, internalization in the head, mm-hmm. being like, <sighs> sometimes I f- like I still get stuff, and I'm like, I feel like I don't deserve this, or I'm imposter, and I'm like, dude, you've been doing it for twelve. 11 years like yeah. you can cut yourself a break i definitely think you should cut yourself a break yeah and imposter syndrome sucks and i feel like we all um experience it in in some way or form but also do you think that there's like a part of comedy and performance that's like i kind of need a little bit of self-loathing to like yeah motivate oh, me. Like, that's like where a lot of the comedy comes from yes we're you know? all internal <laughs> sad crying clowns yeah it comes down to the end of it we're all that's why like you never marry a comedian no, okay don't. you never date a Just, comedian yeah. uh, like a male comedian us chicks for yeah, sure we're fine but like we're men fine. comedians hell no then we're all seeking something <laughs> we need that validation for sure it's with true. the like laugh at my pain or whatever but like yeah, yeah you have to kind of have those and that's why bombing is so important especially when you start off as a comic because the first couple times you kill you're like i got this i'm ready for my special and the first time you're bomb you're like i never want to feel this bad again and then you're just you're like i can't have that be the last time so you're chasing the highs yeah constantly tell me your first bombing story (sighs) or one that sticks out in your mind um i remember i remember 
I remember one time I was getting heckled. The first time I ever got heckled, I didn't know mm. how to handle it. And I was like, please stop it, sir. Like, I, I yeah. was just being polite. <laughs> like, and I just was like, you have to, like, because <laughs> you, you don't have the confidence mm. to be like, no, fuck you. Because mm. you need the audience to be mm. on your side. And at that point, I was like, I don't know if they're on my side or not. Yeah. And you can't, like, start berating the audience if you don't know they're going to, like, not retaliate. So I remember that. And I just... um just spiraling into like uh, forgetting my stuff yeah. and just being so insecure and they could smell it. Oh, they could smell it like sharks and they're like, eh. Uh, it's like my stomach hurts watching this. Yes. Like that's what it was. Yeah. I, I all had those moments. I luckily, the first time I ever did stand up, um, the very first time I ever go bananas, my parents came and they both heckled me because both of them also paid <laughs> attention. Like <laughs> freaking, it's crazy. So it was like, I'm on stage and I'm still fighting for attention. Yes. Oh come my on, God. You guys. But so because of that, I like, they heckled me so much that I like, played it off well but um the first time I ever bombed was at Go Bananas and I had like my best friends parents who like she didn't live here she was she like lived in Colorado or whatever but like her parents came to see me with like their other with like their family yeah and then I had a bunch of people from the bar where I worked come see me for the first time and I like drew a mustache on my face on stage and that was funny and it was like the worst set I've ever done in my life. Why totally am I bombed. thinking I maybe have seen someone with a mustache on their face on stage? Maybe I saw you one night. I drew it on on stage while I was on stage. Oh, and no, then, definitely didn't see And that. then afterwards, and I at the time, I used to do it so often that it was, like, perfect. <laughs> perfect. And I used, like, a really thick it's not, sharpie. It's not like eyebrows. You're like, yep, I can get a yep, mustache. I was like, yeah. no big deal. Then I went out afterwards, I got real drunk, and finally when we were drunk enough, everyone was like, yeah. No. Oh my no, gosh. No, no. Bombing in front of people that you know God. is the worst feeling it in the really entire. Is. It doesn't matter That's if it's a room full of strangers. I'm like, no one I know. But it, yeah. And something makes you so nervous. Like when people come to see you, and especially when they pay to come see you, you feel this like, pr- like I feel like I'm hosting a bridal shower every time someone yeah. comes in. I'm like, are you guys okay? Do you have drinks? Like, I'm just like, they're like, you should be getting ready for the show. I'm like, no, I got to make sure everybody has their seat and coordinated and that they know that. Like, hey, I'm going to try some new stuff out tonight, so it might not be my best ever. Like, I have to preface everything just because I have that insecurity of, like, people I know. know. No, I know. I, like, so, I mean, do you still do anything like that now? Like, so I know in COVID you started doing the backyard um, sets. Yeah. Are there any tickets for the most recent one? Come on over. Yeah. Okay, because I missed the last. Yeah, it's May 1st. I'm I'm trying to hit it before Cicada's emerge from their uh, murder pods or whatever yeah Yeah. i'm excited for it but i think competing with that sound outside might be a little (laughs) might be i'm like they're having sex in the background no one can hear the jokes um Uh, i forget i totally lost track of the question may your um backyard comedy so you started doing that in 2020 yes okay as a response of like hey clubs are closed none of us have work i have a big backyard um i have a outdoor speaker i'm like what if we just invite our neighbors over and we make them laugh like that's gonna make the comedians feel good and that's gonna make the community feel good and we can social like everybody had to wear their masks even while seated and i'm like you know bring your own beer yeah yeah. very Chappelle. and then it's Chappelle started doing and everybody's like we're gonna go there and i'm like yeah that's i would do i you know i did it too (laughs) so but on a low-key scale like we had we had some nice headliners come through and everybody had a really good time and like um you know I only had one neighbor that he would just like peek over the fence like Wilson and like shake his head disapprovingly and I'm like all right Ted we'll be Uh, done in an hour yeah Yeah. exactly but the rest of the neighbors were like like this is great like let's keep doing it so tell me more about so you've been like on the road a working comedian for 10 years that is like so rad this this well I 
I did have a job for a very long time, and I was one of those comedians that was halfway in, halfway out, yeah. which other comedians sometimes would like, oh, you're not in the, you're not in the skin in the game like the mm-hmm. rest of us. And I was like, I have a car I have to pay for. Yeah. Like, you guys are okay. Like, sh- you guys are all dudes sharing an apartment together. I'm like a lady and I have other things going on. And like, so they would like compare and contrast like everybody's like journey and be like, well, you're not all in because you still have this job on the back burner. So I quit my job on the back burner (laughs) and then COVID happened too. So, um, but this year has been like one of the best like years for traveling. What was your job on the back burner? I did insurance. Uh, I did. I was a safety inspector. Wow. I know. I would go and like evaluate sprinkler systems and commercial kitchens and slip trip and fall hazards. And I was super professional. Uh, and like, I, uh, yeah, I was like this big safety nerd. How did you get into that? So I graduated um, with that public relations degree, which was bullshit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, I need a job. And the only thing hiring in like 2008 was like these big companies. They were like, we have two positions for insurance underwriter and I was like yes I will do anything and uh I did underwriting for like six months and I was like this is soul sucking I can't do this and then I went out with the safety team one day and I was like can you guys hire me yeah Um, and so they did and they like trained me on how to do it and I would travel the country doing these like safety inspections and while I was there I would find an open mic in every city that I was in oh good for you it was really great because I got really close like I was doing comedy and like for like two years in Cincinnati and I'm like you know like you I think I'm doing okay and then I would go to like DC and I did this I remember I did this room in DC and I went out and I did five minutes and every DC comic was I mean I hate to sound braggy but they were like holy shit that was like because they had never heard my stuff before yeah and they, there's that saying, like, you get love from home last or something. And yeah. that's how I, I was like, really, you need to go other places to be like, does this work here? Like, you guys have never heard this stuff. Does it work? And it did. And I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, D.C., Baltimore, like, Philly, I would go to, like, all the time to do stuff. And then I would go back to Cincinnati and be like. That's super cool. Like, I'm well-traveled. And then so started picking up from there. But getting into a comedy club is, like this puzzle that you have to figure out yeah like you have to like find the email which is never on the website you have to like have a recommendation you have to like have a good tape you have to like constantly email them like you're selling yourself to these people like hey hire me hire me hire me yeah most people don't have managers so you're just like sending out stuff like do you guys like like hire me hire me hire me and it's like almost like I don't know, like degrading yourself. You're just like, ah, sent 10 emails today. Won't hear back. And oh, man. it's crazy. Well, I mean, like that's the hustle. That's the hustle it right is. there. Yeah. You have to do all this work behind the scenes and then you're like, okay. So, okay. So this is like the hustle hustle. So doing, I mean, props to you. That's the hard part. It's like, that's the hard part of, to be douche, like, of like showbiz and entertainment. Like you have to be your biggest champion. You have to slut yourself yeah. out a whole bunch. And there's like, there's like a quid pro quo. Like, Hey, um, you don't want to ask somebody like, how do you get this? How do you get booked at this place unless you have a good relationship with them? Because it's such an asshole move to be like, hi, I don't know you. Can I have the email contact for this person? Yeah. Because you have to like, if someone's going to give you an email contact, uh, they're putting their name attached to like whatever you're doing. Whatever yeah. you're doing. So you're like, <clears throat> you have to really ask people who are going to be advocates for you. And then again, you want to like reach your hand behind you and help the next person too. Yeah. Get in somewhere. Well, at least you should if you're a nice person. So it's like, 
very political, very much a game of like networking and like. Did you ever feel like you needed to move? Like when I um, went to LA to do comedy, I. Um, Wait, you went to LA specifically for comedy? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was living in Colorado and I, I've told the story like 15 times on this podcast. So sorry, everybody. My listening. first time Again. Um, So I, yeah, <clears throat> so I received an artist grant from the town that I was living in and it was to do comedy. So I was given money to go do comedy specifically and do like a project, excuse me, within like the parameters of the grant. And then I had like done Second City and stuff. So then I was doing that and I realized why I was there, like the hustle of becoming an actual comedian. I was like, I don't think I want to become a comedian. Like, I'm so glad that I went and I learned that Uh because it's something that I've always been like, yo, I'm good at this. I like it. Like I should do it more. But I was just like, I really can't go through what you went through of like, and I don't cover any money. And I was like, I got to be broke as shit, Uh hang out in comedy clubs all day long, work 20 hours a day. And And I was like, it's really not at all. And I was like, I honestly, no, I don't want it as much as I thought I did. And I, it's freeing to admit that now. No, it took I've, me a I've, long time to be like, yo, mad props to everyone who does it. I've gone back and forth. I've been like, I, I remember doing this festival. It was a uh, laughing skull in Atlanta and they had a panel on there. They go, uh, everybody come to our panel. It's about uh, when you should move to LA or New York and mm-hmm. which one to choose. And I like raised my hand. I was like, what if you don't want to go to either? They're like, then what the fuck are you even doing? And I was like, um, <laughs> so um I, I think it depends on like what you want like right. do you want a Netflix special or do you want it to be f- something fun you do and you still live in your life now it's it's very it's very different because like you have to like f- for me I'm a very practical thinker as well and I was like why would I go to LA and pay rent when I want to work the clubs that are in the mid like 90% of the clubs in mm-hmm. the country are like in the Midwest yeah Indiana like Ohio Michigan Kentucky um Tennessee uh and Illinois have like tons of comedy clubs as opposed to there's a funny bone in Nebraska Iowa and then like even in LA there's you know the comedy store and the like there's there's places that are you have to be like a huge headliner to get in yeah and they have like you have to pay to be on the open mics at some of these places Mm -hmm. so I'm like is the goal to be a working comic making money where you want to go to the clubs or do you want to like bypass all that and try and do it a different way? Like even even Taylor Tomlinson, who has a Netflix special, yeah. still works clubs. She She's just did the Funny Bone. They had to add extra shows for her to be on. So you're still paying to live there, but you're flying out to places like this. And granted, you are making money and stuff. Maybe LA is the place you want to be, but um, I don't know. I I feel like e- there are paths to many things. Like Chad Chad uh, Daniels lives in Michigan. John Heffron lives in Michigan. Um, you know, Theo Vaughn just moved to Nashville. Joe Rogan lives in, te- you know, Texas. So there's like na- now there's like people are accepting like you can be um, other places. Do you think that um, I feel I am just like Joe Rogan, just so you guys know, I'm the <laughs> Joe Rogan. of <laughs> um, Well, do you think that 2020 really kind of solidified that for everyone? Like, obviously, yes. that's been happening for a long time with, te- with technology, mm-hmm. like kind of going to where like no one lives in L.A. anymore in business like that. You don't have to. No one shoots there anymore. No one does anything. Yeah. But like now people are like, yo, we're not leaving our homes. We can't. And everyone's still getting successful and getting work. Right. Um. Yeah. And I think people <clears> like. 
had to like do this huge shift of like I gotta make a Zoom show now, or like we gotta make I think Nowhere Comedy Club started, which is a, a, an online comedy club now. Okay, uh, yeah. tell me, how do you feel about doing online comedy? Oh, it's terrible. It's, it is it's the worst. <laughs> nobody likes it. Everybody like, hates it. And nobody likes watching it. No. Like, Why are these? But I'm like, if I can, fun, right? I, I can see it. people checking their phones like while I'm talking, and I mm-hmm. just have those. Like make try and make eye contact with the next person on the screen. It's Be- the worst, right? Because it's like okay, um, watching a video is very different than receiving live comedy uh, via Zoom. You gotta be it, like. <laughs> Yeah, even like a comedy club that's not set up right can be yeah. a disaster. Like you want the dim light, the low ceilings. I don't want to see everybody in the audience. I don't want to see you eating because that's going to distract the hell out of me. Yeah. And then you're not going to get a good show. And like you just want to be able to see the first eight people up front. So, you know, you can comment on them if you want to. And that's it. And you want good lighting and you want good sound and good acoustics. And like, that's it. Oh, gosh. Well, so now, like, moving forward in your world a little bit, like, do you want to continue to do? So, like, what do you, can I ask you? Lifelong, this is the Jesus talk. So, like, what do you want? Do you want to be, like, a super crazy, successful comedian who also eventually dips into acting and gets their own skincare line? Oh, my God, yeah. I brought my own vision board, so if we can just (laughs) refer to that. Um, I am at the point where, and then I'm I'm just turned 35, so congratulations. Thank you. Well, this is the part of your life where people are just like, "What are you doing? Are you gonna have a baby? Are you gonna like? What are you gonna do? Yeah. Like, you need to make these choices now." And I'm like, "I'm still a kid. Like, I just feel yeah. so not looking at the future. Like, I'm trying to live in the now uh, as much as I can because." as this year has taught us, like anything can change in a moment. Mm-hmm. So like what actually is making me happy? I would love to like get a Netflix special or something, you know, like, can I manifest that? Can we just say that out there? Yes. Who wouldn't want some of that stuff? All right. Yes. To be honest, they, they pass them out like hotcakes yeah. now. It can't be that freaking hard I know, anymore. guys. Okay. That is like not true. But honestly, so many people have Netflix specials and so many of them suck. Tell me, <laughs> tell me your opinion on men comedians versus female comedians. Oh my goodness. Well, there are great comedians in both genders and there are terrible comedians in both genders i do still feel as a woman like i looked at a comedy club there's this comedy club that i go to all the time that has not had a female headliner since october <gasps> what yeah and i look through their calendar and i look through their instagram constantly and i just want to i want to strangle them and be like you can't find one not one oh you my can't God. find one we are out here they are everywhere that new Netflix or Hulu hysterical have you seen that um, no it's all about female comics it's so good and these women are so funny and I just feel like there's still still such a um it, you know there's what is it 52 weeks in a year yeah yeah I, I had to double check on that I was like 54 <laughs> nope nope 52 how many <laughs> you guys had to do those two extra weeks at the end of the year you know yesterday on um on air we were talking about area 51 but we called it area 52 and then I corrected my co-host and was like actually it's 54 studio 54 yeah <laughs> absolutely yeah which is yeah oh my God. absolutely <laughs> I would have done the same thing <laughs> anyway continue 52 no, weeks in uh, a year. 52 weeks in a year and you like um maybe six of them will go to a female headliner Oh, you know, things, it, it's just asinine okay. to look at. That is, I'm not even trying to say that that's a, um, 
I'm not going to take that personally as a woman, but whoever yeah. whoever their booking agent is or wh- whoever does the booking, that's yeah. what they're called, whatever, is just dumb because there's so many really talented, hilarious so comedians. Many. And I'll tell you this, though. I do book some shows. So I have some local rooms that I like to book or whatever. Mm-hmm. Men will ask. Men will ask, hey, can I do your show? When can I do your show? I would like to do your show. Women do not ask as much. Uh, I I don't think I've had a woman reach out to me and say, I want to do your show, unless she's coming from out of town. And it's like, hey, I trust you to tell me which shows are good mm-hmm. um, because I know you're not a predator. Um, so women will reach out to each other like in different scenes. Like yeah. I'm in this Facebook group with a lot of LA comics uh-huh. that are women and we're always looking out for each other. Hey, there's this opportunity here, there. And yeah. There's also a female comics Midwest group all looking out for each other. But when I go to book a show, I have, you know, inboxes. I hate calling it inboxes. Sorry, that's like my pet peeve. I'm like, why do you call it an inbox? You Does it make idiot. you think of the vagina? You <laughs> Is that what you're talking in about? In my box. Yeah. I have them in my box Bearing trying beavers. to get into this show. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, women, we need to fucking ask for shit. You know what, though? I mean, that's, yes, very yeah. true and hard. I would say I'm 35 as well. Uh-huh. And not until 2020 in the resiliency that I've had to, like, I had to go through mm-hmm. in order to like continue life. Did I really feel empowered to ask for what I want yeah. and to make stronger strides? I mean, I do feel that like lack of confidence is the main reason why I didn't continue as a comedian. So I was like, I got to ask for all this shit and do all this stuff. Like yeah. I can't do it. And in LA, it's hard. and I was like, and I kind of freaked out, like freaked out a lot. And was like, I can't, I can't do this. No, it, it's intimidating too. It's very you intimidating. Found, you feel stupid. Cause what if they say no? And they might say no, but like you'll never know unless you. They might say yes. I was girls, like, they might say yes. Girls, right? Girls, listen, just yeah. ask for it. But I feel like yeah. a lot with with women more than men were like, I don't want to be a bitch. I don't want to be I pushy. I don't want to be right. Bossy, a bitch. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. We have that stigma of like we have to be a certain way. But I must say to everyone, yeah, the more you step into asking for what you want the more your life, just the better and better your life gets. Yes. And I do think, though, that there's a finesse. I was just talking about this with the guys we were talking, that we mutual friends we yeah. have in common. We are talking about this last night about how the women, we have to finesse it mm-hmm. because you still will get blackballed as being a bitch and then someone will shut you down and be like, oh, no, nobody likes her. She's a freaking bitch. You know? Like, yeah. you still have that element that not ever, that I feel like men don't really experience. Yeah. But, like, you have to finesse it. And I'm like, women have got to, like, that maybe just be how it is because of human nature. Yeah. But like, ask what you want, but like, you know, fucking for it. Like, yeah, it's possible. You gotta like throw a funny twist on it, or yeah. uh-huh. like, like when you're <laughs> typing a message, or like, how many exclamation points uh, can I? Like, even like, <laughs> do I send an emoji? Like, you have to overthink it. Like, hey, I really want this. I'm not that serious, and I'm yeah. not gonna hate you if you don't give it to me. But seriously, can I have? It? Like, you yeah. don't want to sound either desperate or bitchy or like pompous or asking for you know i know i feel like do you ever i feel like whenever i see other women especially yeah doing this and coming with an organized spreadsheet of this is how many things i've done these are my accomplishments yep. this is how many views i've gotten this is how much blah blah blah, blah. like i deserve this mm-hmm. whenever i see that i'm instantly i always get incredibly jealous and like just jealous immediately. I'm like, oh, I should be doing that. Oh my God. Why? And envious of like, and also it's like jealousy, envy, and you're a piece of shit because you're not doing this like all at the same I time. I think that's human nature for everybody. Like yeah. the, to compare a little bit and be like, I, I, I use age as like this litmus to like, oh, we're, oh, she's four years younger than me and look at all she's done. I was like, well, no one's had a linear journey. Like she's also, you know, they might have 
you know, a, a better upbringing or both parents or like, yeah, you know, there's always like they might know somebody that you didn't know. Like why I always use age and I'm always like, I feel washed up at, you know, I'm too old. I should have started when I was 14. <laughs> like the rest of these people. I, I remember like I felt yeah. more washed up at 23 than I do now. But also at 23, I don't think I'd really accomplished as much yeah. as I have now. But at 23, I was like, <gasps> entertainment, you're supposed to start when you're 16. I know. Too fat. It's never going to work. Oh, my God. It's over. Yeah, oh my God, and you oh compare God. yourself and how you look, too. Which yes. is also like if you see a, a beautiful person, they're also very accomplished. You're like, save some for the rest of us. I know. It's, <laughs> uh, you are very, very beautiful, oh, well, thank Kelly. thank you. But and <laughs> it's, never, but it's never how it seems. You know, I interviewed Sia last year, mm-hmm. and she – I mean, is in like the, I mean, she, whether you realize it or not, she's one of the most accomplished musicians in the world. Mm-hmm. Like I did, was never that big of a fan mm-hmm. until I was like my, they were like, you're going to interview Sia in two hours. And I was like, what, that chick? <sighs> All right, fine. I what love a, her. I didn't say it like that. Yeah. But I was but like, you were I, like, I don't know. I was like, yeah. I, don't, I don't know anything about her. I'm not a fan mm-hmm. um, on my own. So then I did so much research and I was like, I have been missing out on one of the biggest phenomena <laughs> in the world for a long time. I know. You're like, how did I graze past this one? Um, it was the bodysuits. It was the children dancing in the bodysuits. <laughs> you just were like, not me. I no, will not participate. Honestly, I saw her perform at mm-hmm. a music festival in 2010 mm-hmm. and I didn't like her I, and I saw her at a but that was before she blew up her music was way different then and then I saw her like at LAX after that and she was really nice but like not and I was like mm. so then all of so I never really followed her career but then anyway hold on the point is um comparison she spoke volumes about this and she was like that's she's like she said when she finally she got sober when she was like but through that journey is when I finally like um, kind of just like got by the wayside of mm-hmm. those feelings we're talking about now. She's like, and then everything just took off, and and it's she was and she was like, um, I just like followed my my gut more, mm-hmm. and that sounds so easy and so simple and so like duh, that's what everybody says. But she is like absolute proof. She was like, I was living in all this, just comparing all this stuff, you know, yeah. and then at like thirty. At 30, she mm-hmm. got sober and decided, fuck all that. I'm just going to uh, do this. And then she blew the fuck up. And she's probably she probably had a whole team of people telling her wh- what to wear, what sound to do, what to mm-hmm. look like. And I feel like as soon as you like throw all that garbage away and you're like, I'm, I'm comfortable with who I am, you will start to get more stuff because there's going to be nobody else like you. Like, stop trying to be the next... Amy Schumer. Don't yeah. try and be the next John Mulaney. I see so many people do Mitch Hedberg on stage, and I'm like, mm. stop doing that. Just be who you are because yeah. they already have that slot to fill. You know, you don't need to be a new replica of a person. You just need to be the only you. You know, it's crazy how some people do do um, like just contrite comedy, especially yeah. in the beginning or whatnot. But I must say this to you. If you ever do go to – uh, what I experienced going to LA um, and doing being on the circuit for a little, little bit, guys. Like I don't want to. I really don't want to speak. Um, I like, just picture like I don't it lie as, a, about this. as a tiny train that you got on, and you just go from club to club. This circuit, just like the couple yeah. times that I did. Um, your way, like there are so many people who are just trying to do Mitch Hedberg, and like when you go and actually do you, mm-hmm. I found every single time I was like I. Like, there's nobody else actually just doing this. Like, I felt it was so empowering and such a huge confidence boost. I think when one of the times I visited L.A., I was with a comedian, Tommy John again. And I was in this room 
it was a small room. I, I know that they had done shows there. I, it wasn't like Largo. And I, I, I don't know what it was, but I forget what it was. But he goes, you need to watch. You need to watch this girl. You need to watch Allie. Come, come meet Allie. Hi, Allie. Nice to meet you. And then I see Allie Wong go on stage in a room full of 60 people and just murder the room. And then she was, first of all, she was the nicest person when I met her. And this is before her Netflix special, before Baby Cobra, before she blew up. Yeah. Seeing her on stage, I'm like, I've never seen anything like that. That's, it's different. She's speaking in her voice. She's not trying to do anybody else. She's not doing Margaret Show. She's doing whatever her story is, whatever her life journey has been, everything from her lens. And it kind of like clicked for me. And I was like, no one's had my life either. Like I can tell stuff about my life and it doesn't have to be relatable to everybody. It just has to be funny. So that was a big like aha moment for me too. Oh, good for you. Oh, and it's she was Ali Wong. And oh, she's yeah. so hilarious. She was so funny. And she's so cute. But a- Ali Wong to me is like, it, she's shattering. Like she's so funny. Like, yeah. She breaks all, she's like above and beyond mm-hmm. everybody. I think she's just always hilarious. I like very like, I like dark comedy too. Mm-hmm. Like if someone says the most fucked up thing, that's, that's Same. always, yeah, yeah. Same. Like people talk about like trauma and tragedy and like, I love that stuff because it just it's if you can make the gallows humor at that time. So like there's a lot of comics that I follow that do shit like that. Like Mm -hmm. Adriana Pucci, she does it. Um, uh, A lot of really good women do that now because it's like they come from this dark headspace and it's like relatable to women because we're not supposed to talk about that stuff or think about it. But we do think it in our heads. And so I like stuff like that, too. I can't. Dude, me too. I was like the most, the more inappropriate, the more like, did you really just, just say that? that? The more yeah. I'm like, ha But in that, in that regard, I don't, it's not about blowjobs or anything. Like I cannot stand the over-sexualization. The over-sex- That's what I don't, I don't, I don't I feel like so many, I feel like so many female comedians do that. And like, I just check out. When I went to LA and I did the showcase at broadway comedy something comedy club um i was one of like eight female comics on the lineup and i was like hell yeah girls and i think they were all just actresses that did comedy on the side Mm. for like exposure or something and every single one of them had uh, a sex joke where they acted out something or did a gesture of some sort and it's not my cup of tea it's not my humor i just feel like it's kind of is that really your experience and your voice and the things that you care about and mm-hmm. want to talk about? If it is, that's fine. Um, but don't use it as a crutch. And I could tell it was being used as a crutch because it's like, yeah, I'm going to laugh at the joke about balls in your mouth. Ha ha, it's shocking. But low it's like hanging fruit. low hanging fruit. Literally the lowest of, yeah, uh, ball joke. Um, but it's not <laughs> my, yeah, it's not my cup of tea. But it's not to say that it can't be done in a funny way. It's just we're and it also we're not allowed to do it because it is a crutch it's like a guy going up and you know talking about my mother-in-law or like my dick I know. I yeah feel like it's, to me it's like lazy i'm like i'm not yeah. trying hard enough i'm just making some sex joke about i could tell stories of me doing something hilarious yeah. in the i mean whatever yeah. it's just a shit show of sexual right. endeavors here but and to be hacky is one of the worst labels you can have in yeah. the comedy community is like oh they're a hack they just tell low-hanging fruit hacky premises jokes that aren't original and stuff like that so it's harder to get booked on stuff you know on a total um um whatever backtracking here earlier we were talking about 
um, followers and like losing followers. Mm-hmm. I made a really inappropriate Trump China virus <laughs> joke on my Instagram. That I thought it was hilarious. Just snuck it in there and I uh-huh. lost like 45 followers in a oh, day. Oh, wow. And that's then, a lot. And then a bunch of people like in the, I would say maybe around 20, mm-hmm. which isn't like a whole, whole lot, but like around 20 people um, called me racist and um, were like, are you and like called me on for like I can't believe you're using your platform for this blah 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 do you follow I mean I was mostly offended that remember when people call me racist and I thought that I was a Trump supporter and I was like no yeah but that, it, that that's joke scary. was it was scary but the joke was really funny it was really inappropriate <laughs> well I I did my first show at a kind of like a uh, not con- um, very liberal town mm-hmm. um, and I usually kill there. And one of the nights, I, know, I, I did a closer that I said um, Latino women are hot is, was the premise. And they can say things I can't say. Yeah. You're wearing hoops. Crazy. Yeah, look at me. Um, <laughs> and the, the joke was deprecating me and how I don't have, like, the confidence or charisma to say certain things. Um, and I didn't do any anything that I thought was offensive. Yeah. And, uh, you know, somebody called the club and said... I was offended by this joke, and they they oh backed me up. God. They were like, "It took her, it took her forty five minutes to say one offensive thing to you," and she was trying to deprecate herself. But I took that feedback, and I was like, "Am I saying like I had to like internalize? I'm like, am I saying something offensive? Do I like this joke? Is it me? Uh, I thought it was just a compliment. Am I perpetuating a stereotype? So uh, yeah, there's it's it's Yo, hard. It's yeah, hard. Well, hold on, but at the same time, this is why this past year, mm, I got a lot to say about this <laughs> because. Comedy is offending people. It is making fun of life. Literally making fun of life. Yes. So I feel like the levels in which people are getting offended now is like, you're ruining this. This was, how is this not funny anymore? This mm-hmm. is still true. That, what I, what I just talked about is still happening. But now we're not allowed to talk about it because what? Uh, there's a fine line there that I'm like, I, I don't like the direction it's going in. I'm afraid to get canceled, honestly. I'm yeah. afraid I'm going to say something that... Well, first of all, I don't want to. I don't want anybody to feel like shit. I want people to come to a comedy fo- show and leave happy and feeling good and not like, oh, I can't believe they said that. That hurt my feelings. However, when you go to a comedy show, you have to realize, like, these are, these are jokes through the lens of this person and how they live. And yeah. doesn't necessarily mean they're talking about you. Um I just don't think, like, for me, like, when I see someone punching down, mm-hmm. like, if they're making fun of a very unfortunate person, like, punching, do you know what punching down is? No, but I, um, no. Punching down is, like, when you're higher up looking down. So, if I'm punching down at, like, special needs people, if I'm, like, oh, special needs people, blah, 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 those are people who, you, they're not, they're not there to defend themselves, you know, it, it's yeah, just, yeah, yeah. it's also hacky, low-hanging fruit, punching yeah. down, it's just not a good look it's not something that I would ever want to do um so like there's a difference between like I can say anything and it's like yeah you can but should you and certain things yeah but I am afraid of getting I'm afraid I'm gonna slip up and say something well, stupid the, the 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 example that you just yeah. told like I'm like that is out of control my heart was in the right place yeah. like she I think the person had gone to my Instagram to even like confront me because I saw someone checking my stories that was not a follower and and I if she would have looked she looked one page over and saw my donation to the uh ACLU like the day before to stop uh Asian American hate or yeah. stop Asian hate so if she like looked through my stuff she was probably like okay she didn't mean it like she's probably a good person but 
to like be that offended enough to call up a club like that's that's a lot of like well because then like what what i what i think that the 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 damage here yeah is that now in her mind you're now labeled as something that you're not right and you, but also like the premise of comedy mm-hmm. is making comparisons and right. like and doing it's like the alt culture of the world like I would say like comedians are just spectating everything mm-hmm. and making comments on it we're the commentators exactly yeah, yeah. so like this it, I, I feel like that's getting lost and now all of a sudden I'm a bad person because I made a joke about a, a natural truth that was funny eight months ago but now it's not yeah that's okay that's or BS. even through my lens like yeah. through my lens like there are certain people that are like they can say sexy things they have confidence and there are certain people that mm. like like me i feel awkward saying this thing um should we spot wait, wait, when I, I was like can i put you in the spotlight <laughs> <laughs> say something funny right now um, I mean, it's not something funny something sexy no, Ooh, no yeah. dude and i'm this i'm the same Ooh, way flesh. i don't know yeah <laughs> flesh. Like, that's see that's how awkward i am with the sexual and that's why i was like i <laughs> I love that flesh is the first thing. Do you see? That's what, that's, that is me living my truth (laughs) of not being able to say sexy things. So I'm not wrong in that that's my experience. But I don't ever want to feel like, I remember the first time I did a joke. I said the word rape. So the first time I did a joke, it was about mattresses. Mm -hmm. But I used the word rape in, it's about, it's about a memory foam mattress. Mm-hmm. And I, the joke was, and please don't cancel me because I don't do this joke anymore. This is just a story about learning and growing as a person. Okay. The joke was, I'm afraid to be raped because I have a memory foam mattress. <gasps> That's really funny. It's, <laughs> it's really dark. And I say, I, I'd be afraid to sleep all the time. And, and, and I go on to explain it. The joke is about mattresses, you guys. That's really funny. And I was in the women's bathroom. This is a small bar in Columbus. And I start, after my set, I'm in the bathroom. I'm looking in the mirror. And I'm tearing up. And I'm crying. And I was like, what if someone in the audience had been raped? And I start to cry a little bit. And someone comes in and they say, what's wrong and I was like I just feel really bad that I said that like I could have triggered somebody and this girl she's washing her hands she's washing her hands in the thing she like takes the paper towels you know off the thing and she gets washed dries her hands and she goes I've been raped and I thought it was fucking hilarious yeah and so sometimes you need a person like that to be like I know your heart wasn't in the wrong place you were making a joke about mattresses it was funny but again that's the thing that I feel like women should get a pass on with the dark comedy is that this is our trauma. This is stuff that we have to think about constantly. It might not be funny. For, this is my fucking reality. Yeah. I have to, I, I can't go for a walk in the park without breaking my neck, turning my shoulder 150 times. So wha- you know why you laugh so hard? Is because it's our shared experience yes. of things that we have to fucking think about all the time. Yes. Are in a sisterhood mm. of this shared experience of yeah. stuff. And it's like, who, who am I to judge your joke yeah. that you're making about your experience and and make it about me? I mean, that's that's that's, that's the thing with stuff like that mm-hmm. is like she's just telling her truth. And right? what, it, it could be offensive to you or triggering, but how, it, it's her truth. And she's not trying to make light of your situation. She's making light of her own for her own sake. And uh, I don't know. I know. I just feel that there's humor in everything. You know, we've all been through a lot in life. I'm just like, yo, there's humor in everything. If you use your comedic skills in the mm-hmm. right way, 
you can make people laugh with this experience. Right. And that's, it's part of like, oh, processing shit. Like I do a lot of jokes about how my dad was a drug dealer. And he was? He was. Like what kind of drugs? Like pot. Like, but like a lot of pot. Oh, was like, he in jail? Yes. And like, oh my I, God, for real? Yeah. Like he went, like he, he, my dad was the town drug dealer and everybody in the town knew it except for me. And I was walking around like the giant R.A. narc that has written a lot, like never, like no one can tell her. And so I have all these, and people are like, that stuff is so funny. You should tell more stories about that. And I go, I don't know how to make it funny because I haven't processed it yet. So I'm trying that now. It took me a long time to be like, how do I make this funny? Because I'm seeing it through the lens of like, I feel trashy and I feel like judgmental from people. And then I'm like, what are the stories? But that is my truth and my story. And it's like far be it for anybody to tell me that I couldn't talk about that or like process. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, my God. Now I'm going in so like other mode of like we need to talk about this and we need to break it down so that you can tell these stories that are really hilarious because and i don't know anybody else whose dad was a drug dealer growing up and they could tell stories about like that's gotta be yeah like we had a scale in my kitchen and i thought my dad was on weight watchers (laughs) (laughs) was from measuring weed we had a pot plant plant in our basement in my dad's workshop that (laughs) i know i just was like I didn't know what pot looked like. I was just like, why does this plant need a lamp? Like, I, like, none of, mom, none of mom's plants have lamps. Um, oh my God. Just like, it's just really you stuff just that you don't know when you're a kid. And you're like, oh, later. Yeah. That's and awesome. So I'm still in the O phase, I think, because I'm like, what else did I not, re-? like, my dad told me one time that um, he hid a baggie of weed in a tissue box and that I got a cold. So I took the tissue box and I sat in front of the TV and he was watching me go from tissue to tissue to tissue. And he's like, she's going to, he just kept walking by the room. Like, she's going to, she's going to dip her hand in there. The first time I smelled pot, I was at a concert and I said to the person, to the adult chaperoning me at a Counting Crows concert, I said, I said, it smells like my mom's bathroom in here. What is that? And she's just looking at me and I'm like, seriously, this is exactly what my mom's bathroom smells like. And so there's so many like, story like yeah and and if someone was like that's offensive because that's child abuse i'm like yeah it was but it happened to me okay it happened to me that's my life you've got to tell the do you tell those stories i've started i haven't done the tissue box one but i told the one where i'm like you know this guy came up to me and was Uh, like hey i'm gonna come over your house after school and he was this really hot guy and i remember being like yeah, you can come over. Like my 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 parents are out of town. We can do whatever we want. He goes, "Oh, your dad's not gonna be there." No, your dad has to be there. And I remember being like, "What the fuck?" Kind of like cuckold guy is like, "No, I need your dad to be there." So it's like, and oh it's because he wanted pot. God. Everybody knew this, and I didn't know. I think the whole town made a fucking pact not to tell me. Oh my god! And I didn't find out till my dad was like arrested. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So That's crazy. So awesome. And so no, I know I lo- I know a lot about drug dealing because I eventually found out like he because he started being like very reckless towards the end. Mm-hmm. And then I, I, d- I did find That's out. That's how he got caught. That's how he got caught. I did find out before he got arrested because he would have like piles of pot <clears throat> sitting on. He, he just didn't give a fuck after a while. And people would come into the house and buy weed. And he'd be like, you got to stay. You got to stay and talk to me for 30 minutes because you, I can't have people walking in and out of the house for two seconds at a time. Mm. So we'd have like these skeezy people just hanging out in my kitchen like, sup? And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to get a snack and go do my homework. And like I had to learn about like, like, oh, someone could be watching the house. So like you have to make your visit like 30 minutes 
or more. And these people were so uncomfortable. They're like, I don't want to fucking talk to you. And he's like, yeah. I don't want to talk to you either. But you got to stay. And it's just like this weird, like our yeah. house got broken into and a bunch of stuff got stolen. And I'm like, dad, like a bunch of stuff got stolen from my room. He's like, we can't, we can't call the cop. What are we, what are we going to say? My weed got stolen. A bunch of my money and my safe got, <laughs> like we couldn't do anything. And I'm like, oh man, this is crazy. It's crazy. Wow. Do you have any yeah. siblings? I have a sister. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh, I remember. You guys are lucky that um, no, nothing ever happened to you young, pretty girls I mean, while that was happening. We were like, the, and it was like <clears throat> this middle class house at the end of a cul-de-sac. Like, yeah. you wouldn't think. Like, my dad was so reckless. Uh, and this is all on record, so I feel okay talking about it. What but kind I of car did he drive? <laughs> uh, probably something. I entered him in the shitty car contest one time. Well, you know that, like, one of the radio stations was, mm -hmm. like, bring your shitty Like, his, his seat was missing out of the back, and it was rusted through, and I had to ride, like, on the roof or whatever. Like, shittiest car. So it wasn't, like, a nice... You're we just going to pass that by and be like, I had to ride on the roof, whatever. Yeah. No deal. <laughs> well, I, I think people think like drug dealer. You're like, yeah, you probably had a cool SUV. No, we That's had what I was. I was like, do you have an Impala or something? No, like, oh. it was Impala balling for sure. <laughs> um, we had broken, the house got broken into. And I remember there was a, a sneaker footprint for like a Converse sneaker on like some part of the, the roof that he he had like analyzed. And he was like, who do you know that wears size whatever Converse? I'm like, we're never going to like. Where's Waldo, this person who yeah. did this? Like, you either got to, I don't know. It was just such a weird experience. Whoa. I feel like I just went down a rabbit hole. Sorry. It was amazing. Now I'm like. We went from I was gonna jokes say, to like. <laughs> I was going to say goodbye, but now I'm like, now we're just getting going here. Yeah, sorry, guys. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Yeah. So, like, personal, I feel like people respond to either broad observations that they've made themselves on stage and be like, yes, I've always thought that. Or very personal stories specific to you that only you could tell people mm -hmm. are like that's hilarious yeah i um the last time i did comedy mm -hmm. i've done it i've done stand-up once since i've been home in cincinnati and i totally bombed like totally bombed where was it at um the drinkery okay and i uh i just like they gave me a spot because um i they came on the show Fun. and um and i hadn't done stand-up in like a year you're I always welcome to come on anything i'm doing by the way oh thank yes, you it's, i would love to watch i always think about it but i haven't a comedy in so long and i don't feel confident in my com comedic skills oh, so anymore. you're just like up there with the rest of us yeah none of us do i'm just like uh i don't know what i'd say and the last time the last two times i was on stage i really bombed so this that time was like five minutes and i completely bombed and it was embarrassing and then uh and it was the first time my baby brother saw me oh so, i hate when people whatever. but i did an hour-long special before that mm -hmm. per the arts grant I um, had to go back to Telluride and like do an hour long special and blah, blah, blah. So an I. An hour's a long time. It is a long time. Yeah. But like there was one time in my life where an hour long special to me was like a dream. Oh, yeah. I was like, I have an hour to just slay and write this. Oh, my God. I have a captive audience yes. that has to listen to me. And yes. I was like, I'm going to get juicy with this. Mm -hmm. No, I started writing that whole bit like the night before. Like I had no idea what I was doing. And so, but I had so much material, but I didn't know how to make it funny because I was still super wounded from. It. Mm -hmm. and to me it's all really funny but my delivery was people were just like like afterwards my best one of my my best friend I've now said that so many times but a girl who was there was a good friend and very honest that's why I was like I need you to tell me you need to tell me mm -hmm. how that was she was like girl no like <laughs> she was like you said all this stuff that was just really vulnerable mm -hmm. and hold on I don't know where I'm getting on she's like you need so the punchline in yeah. There. yeah she was like anyway but yeah so the, the, the point of this is an hour long of me just telling stories that were really kind of like gut wrenching, but I 
hadn't made them funny yet. Yeah. And I know that there's a lot of hilarity in there, but it's just you have to like keep you have to keep doing it on stage because then as soon as like if it's not hitting, you're just like nah, you make a one off comment and people laugh at that. You're like, okay, there was a joke in there. Like yeah. you just you have to like sit with it for a really long time, especially with the heavy stuff. Like I have a lot of people whose like parents died, and they go up and do jokes about it, and that's my fa- those are my favorite jokes because you yeah. can tell it was like the deepest darkest part of their life and they were just reaching for the humor in it and when you can find something funny in that dark shit oh chef's kiss right so good yeah oh man well you know what it's a good place we feel good i know yeah you want to come back and just only you're only allowed to tell stories about growing up with a a dad I, yeah, I think I, it was, it's like change us to a therapy appointment. Yeah. Like, yeah. This can just be um, prep for when yeah. you eventually take that yeah. tour. There was a stripper who stole my swimsuit. <gasps> what? To go, in my, to go in a hot tub, our hot tub. <laughs> I lost all my swimsuits to a stripper in our hot tub. <sighs> my 16-year-old little tiny swimsuits. She took them all. I have, good, I have stories. She I must have been a hot stripper. She, yeah. I mean, she deserved it. She, she uh... <laughs> Just take them from the child. <laughs> see? And with that, um, we'll see you next week. Okay. okay yeah. We'll see you later. Sounds good. Thank you very much, Kelly Collette. And also, where can people find you? KellyColletteComedy.com. Uh, and follow me on Instagram because apparently we, they just fucking lose. We just lose them constantly. Um, Please validate me. Yes. And all the bots, you're welcome to. Please come. <laughs> um, so you have a couple different Instagram accounts because Kelly or- didn't get into it, but she's also is your, I love your art. Thank yeah, I just started. I love your painting. Just started posting about that because I was very vulnerable and I was like, I don't know if this is good. And now I'm like, eh, mm. just throw it out there. It is care. so good. I want to buy you. a couple pieces. Honestly, Yay. that's like my favorite kind of art. We'll talk about that later. But um, yeah. So yeah. So Kelly Colette, what I say? Kelly Colette is the main account, and then Kelly dot canvas is the art. All right. Yeah. There you go, y'all. Get up all on Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Please don't do that. Oh, no, no, I was going to make some sort of joke fix. So <laughs> Never mind. I'm going to cut that I got, out. I got a lot of security on me now. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, again, if you like what you heard about Kelly Collette, don't you want to hear more stories about growing up in a household where your dad was a drug dealer and now you talk about it for a living? <laughs> All my comedy people, I mean, she's going to come back. Kelly Collette is great. Good friend. Good baby girl. Remember, you can find her um, www.kellycollettecomedy.com. She's on Instagram at, at Kelly Collette. And her Instagram, let's see, for the canvas is, it is kelly.canvas. Check out her artwork. Go check out her comedy. She's on tour. She is phenomenal. Love her so much. Thank you so much, Kelly. We'll talk to you soon. All right, guys. Like, subscribe, do all those things. Have a fantastic freaking day, week, month, year. Whatever it is you do today, make yourself proud. I thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening. And uh, y'all change my world. I hope you are changing yours and vice versa and all that goodness. If it's uncomfortable, that means you're doing the right thing. Ah! All right, bye, guys. Love you. Okay, bye.